be seated. I hope you believe that this morning. That's the uh, crux of the message we're going to read from John this morning is that you have the power to overcome. Uh, The question is whether or not we live within that power, whether we let that power live through us. Uh, I can't believe today is December the 1st. Uh, It seems like the the year has flown by. Uh, Hard to believe that that we're almost at Christmas and that Christmas will be here before you know it. What's probably even harder to believe is that we're less than a month away from 2014. Uh, I don't know that I've just gotten used to being able to write 2013 on my checks and on my letters. And all of a sudden we're at 2014, which for someone like me, that puts it really in perspective. Because that means we're 15 years past partying like it's 1999. So uh, that really, it's a struggle for me. Uh, Let me ask you a question. How many of you went shopping on Black Friday? Anybody want to admit? Come on, you can be honest. How many of you got drug shopping by your spouse on Black Friday? No one wants to admit that more. Okay, here's the even harder question. How many of you went out Thursday night and got you some deals? Anybody want to admit? Come on, be honest. Big controversy this year. A lot of people upset and angry because the stores have pushed back once again to uh, their opening times and their sales times back to Thursday night. And people saying, well, you know, it's supposed to be Thanksgiving and where's the sanctity? And, uh, you know, the the videos and stuff that have come out of Black Friday and Thursday were just ugly. Uh, So I don't want to get into the middle of that argument and who does what. I think it says uh, a lot more about people in our culture than it really does the stores. And, uh, you know, I, I think we need to remember consistency it's amazing on facebook people just get on these rants and they just go on and on about how you know horrible it is that these stores are opening up on thursday and you know the people should be able to spend time with their family and you know in the next the next post they're saying well you know i'm watching the parade with my family or i'm i'm watching the football game well i hate to tell you that the football game and the parade people have to work those things okay they're not home with their families and so there's a little inconsistency if we're gonna get mad at the stores uh then turn the tv off don't watch the parade don't watch football games because those people have to have to work too instead of being with their families it's just inconsistent and i you know I, i heard a commentator say you know talking about how bad it is and say well hopefully uh we can reverse this trend on down the road, you know, as time goes, that maybe somehow this trend will change. Um, but the problem is it's not really a trend. See, the problem of, of what's happened on Black Friday and with Thanksgiving is it's not a trend. Rather, it's the result of a paradigm shift. And there's a difference between a paradigm shift and a trend. You see, trends uh, come and go. Trends are pushed by fashion. Paradigm shifts are changes in thought, changes in philosophy, changes in mindset and behavior that lead to trends. And you see, what's happened on Black Friday and Thanksgiving and all of this shopping is is not just some trend that's going to go away. Uh, Trends do come and go and trends are cyclical, but paradigm shifts don't. Once that mindset and that behavior and that thought process is entered in to the culture as a whole, it doesn't change. It may evolve, but it's never going to go back. And, and you've seen it happen over time to where as we've accepted certain things, it's just gotten looser. It's the same thing when they uh, began to, to come back with the blue laws. Some of you are old enough to remember the blue laws that nothing could open on Sundays. Uh, 
hard for some of you that are young to believe, but there was a time when uh, Chick-fil-A was not the only place not open on Sunday. Nothing was open on Sunday because most states and most cities had laws that wouldn't allow stores to open on Sunday. But what happened was there began to get this pervasive thought, this shift in our paradigm that, that you know, Sunday is, is not just for church anymore. And they begin to open up for an hour here and then an hour there. And before you know it, after that shift came, trends began to follow. And those trends were what drove the people's behaviors. Uh, you know, what happened in, in, at Black Friday is once stores saw that people were open to coming on Friday if you offered a big deal, then all of a sudden they began to push the deal. You see, the trend, the paradigm shift was that mindset that it's okay to go. The trend was opening your hours at different times, bigger prices, bigger sales. And that's what we're seeing with it going back uh, on Thursday night. And so you see trends come and go. They change. Uh, They may even fluctuate some, but they never, never uh, go back. And you say, well, what does that matter? Well, I think it's relational to our Christian walk. You know, let me give you another example to help you understand it. There was a uh, friend of mine that was on staff at the first church I served in uh, in the mid-'80s. This was the mid-'80s. And he would not let go of his 70s dress clothes, uh, polyester suits, polyester, uh, co- bright-colored suits and, and different lines. And probably the worst thing about it is he had the big ties. And I don't know if some of you remember the big ties of the, the 70s. And I'm not just talking like a big tie. I'm talking like wide and short. I think that came like to the second or third button. And, uh, and he would wear these. And it's 87, 88. He's got this big tie. You know, and I'm the youth minister, and I'm having to get the youth to not make fun of his, you know, napkin that's sitting on top of his shirt. And so I would always go to him and say, listen, why in the world? Let me give you some ties. You know, you have to remember in the late 80s, it was skinny ties. And even like these tube ties and other ties were in. And he's, he's got just the opposite. And I would say, listen, let me give you some of my ties. He said, you don't understand. Uh, one day it's coming back, you know. and Because, see, that's men. Men, let's just be honest, that is our hope with all of our fashion. That's why we hang on to everything, right? Because we believe that one day it's going to come back. Your wife goes in to throw it away. Don't throw that away. You know, your members-only jackets that are hanging over in the corner. You say, uh, you know, hang on to those things, right? They're coming back. Uh, You know, parachute pants or whatever it is. And it all comes back. It all is cyclical. And he was right. Uh, You know, 25 years later, the big ties, if you watch some guys on TV, the big ties, you know, he just had to be out of fashion for 30 years and and that was the price he paid that was a trend it was a trend it comes and it goes it's cyclical it's this idea of just hanging on till it comes back around you see a paradigm shift about ties would be if all of a sudden people just decided they didn't want to wear ties anymore or they replaced ties and, and instead of wearing ties they wore something else and you see in that case if that happened it didn't matter how many ties you had they weren't coming back They weren't going to be back in fashion again. And see, that's where we confuse the two when it comes to paradigm shift and trend. Now, what does that have to do with the church? What does that have to do uh, with Christianity? What does that have to do with what we're going to talk about this morning? Because I want you to understand the difference between the two. You see, uh, there are companies and businesses that pay millions of dollars to people to be able to predict whether or not something is a paradigm shift or a trend. And whether or not how they respond to the difference between the two. I want you to see how it works in the church, and I especially want you to see how it works in Christians' lives. And really in two ways that are probably most important for us this morning. The first is that uh, I think if the church would have recognized 
back in the 70s and the 80s, the paradigm shift that was going on in regards to how we do church and what church worship is uh, in regards to worship styles, it would have saved the church a lot of heartache, would have saved us a lot of headache. But you see what happened is, as people began to have a different philosophy and mindset about doing church, there were a lot of people that wanted to just discount it as trends. Uh, I remember when music started changing, and, and I'm not just talking about music changing, I'm talking about all the, the mindset of coming to church and why we do church and what church is. And people say, oh, it's just a trend. It's just going to come and it's going to go. And so what happened was they treated it like that. And instead of having a plan on how to adapt and change how we do what we do, most churches were left just angry and bitter and reactionary. And we saw churches split. We saw churches get angry and tear one another apart. We saw churches uh, run uh, the next generation of young people away. It's why we have so many people that uh, young generations that are not in church is simply because we missed it. When it came to the paradigm shift, we wanted to call it a trend. We wanted to say it's just something that's going to come and go. It was a mindset. And even today, there's a lot of people that say, well, I, you know, I wish it could just go back to the way it was in the 60s or the 70s or the good old days. And uh, I got bad news. It's never going to go back because it's not a trend. It's a, it's a shift. And so while God is going to continue to work and he is working in new and fresh ways, different ways, we have got to be able to identify the way he's working and move into that direction instead of just closing our eyes and our ears. And you see, it works that way for Christians too. We get this mentality of, I'm just going to hunker down and just wait it out. I'm just going to wait out whatever God's doing. And when, when he shows up, I hope when the final whistle blows, I just make it to the end. It's a survival mentality. It's this idea that, that somehow if I wait long enough, everything's just going to get good. Whether you're in a difficult situation right now or in a problem area or you're facing a mountain or you're facing a trial or you're facing a struggle in your life, somehow we get it in our mind that if we just go and escape somewhere and hide that all of it's going to go away and all of it's going to get better if we can just wait it out. It's like a cycle. But the problem is when we become a Christian, when we get in Involved in asking Jesus Christ in our life, it's not a trend. It is a paradigm shift. It's not, it's not the mentality for us to be able to say, I'm just hoping to hold on till Jesus comes. I hear people say that, especially in the older generation. I, I'm just going to try to persevere. The only problem with that is when Jesus talked about persevering, when Paul talked about persevering, they were talking about it in the context of warfare. Not persevering by hunkering down and just hope we make it to the end. Just running out the clock. That's not Christian. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural. Because you see, the, the idea that I would sit and wait and hope that I make it through, hope that I can survive, goes against everything that Jesus taught us. Because you see, my survival is not really important. Because it's been secure already. My future has been determined. And this idea that somehow I'm helping myself by running away, by hiding, by sheltering myself, and hoping everything goes away until Jesus comes, or until I pass away, or if I can just make it to the finish line, then everything's going to be good. That's not what Jesus teaches. The Christian life is a total paradigm shift. 
It's what Paul was teaching in Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I don't live any longer. See, the old Rusty worried about survival. The old Rusty worried about making it. The old Rusty worried about himself first. But he's dead. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ now lives in me. So if Christ lives in me, the life that I live, I live through him. And what is there about him that I live in? Well, we just sang it. By the blood of the lamb and the testimony, what happens? You overcome. Not just survive, not just scrape by or just make it. You were created to live victorious. We sing victory in Jesus and then we wave a white flag at every giant mountain and difficulty we face. We sing about being overcomers, but instead we go and hunker down in a hide just hoping it'll all go away. You see, the Bible is full of teaching us that we were not called to just survive. Jesus didn't say, I came that you might just survive. I came that you just might hang on to the incomes. He said in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. That word there is you might have life and life to its fullest. You see, this paradigm shift of I've been crucified with Christ and all the promises, all the power that come with it are mine for the claiming. The problem for you and I is we just don't claim it. We just don't understand what you have in your hands right now. Now, Peter, he understood why he was a hothead. Peter understood the power that was available. That, that's what drove Peter. You remember when the boat was out in the, the sea there and the waves started getting up and everybody started getting scared? What did Peter do? Peter jumped out of the boat because Jesus said, come to me. That's not survival. Everybody else in the boat's hunkered down, scared because the storm is there. Peter is out getting on the water. Why? Because Peter understood that it was a paradigm shift. Paul understood it's a paradigm shift. You remember what he told the church at Philippi? He said, not that I've already obtained all of this or I've already been made perfect, but one thing I do, one thing I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing, I'm going to press on and run the race that Christ laid out before me. Doesn't sound like Paul was ready to go over and sit and, and, and have a nice cold drink while the life passes him by, just hoping to survive, just hoping to make it. Paul said, no, listen, I've done all of this stuff, but I've really done nothing up until this point. And so I'm going to run with everything that I have. You see, the question for us this morning is, are you surviving or are you thriving? Are you just getting by or are you finding victories in every area of your life? Paul told the church in Rome that we are more than conquerors. In Christ Jesus. Victory conquers. Well, let me ask you this question before I get into our passage. If someone was to look at your Christian life this week, you were to look at your Christian life this week, which of these two words would they use to describe it? Survive, thrive. Survive, thrive would you just be holding on trying to make it 
Are you standing on the promises that God's given to us? Standing in the truth of his word. Victorious. Because you see, the choice if you're a follower of Jesus Christ is yours. And John gives us an app for how we can find that promise in this morning's lesson. We've been studying life-changing apps. And i got to tell you, this is part one of two messages. And so I'm going to finish this up next week uh, in the 930 service. At the 11 o'clock service, we'll have the uh, choir presentation, the adult choir presentation. I encourage you to come 930 and then stay to watch the choir and listen and support them. Uh, But I couldn't get all of this in one. There's so much I wanted to grasp. And so what I'm doing is introducing it this morning and giving you a couple of points out of here. And then next week, I'm going to pick up and give you some practical steps. Because John gives us some very practical reminders that you and I were not redeemed. We were not bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We were not saved so that we could just sit on the sidelines and survive. So if you have a Bible, I want you to look at 1 John. It's in there. It's in your... Uh, blue sheet some of it first john chapter five picks up where we've been going along uh christian life is not about just waiting out the clock Uh, so first john chapter five verses one through twelve everyone who believes that jesus is the christ is born of god and everyone who loves the father loves his child as well for this is how we know that we love the children of god by loving God and carrying out his commands. Now, that goes into what he talked about last week. Remember, God is calling us. If God is love, and, the, and we just learned in chapter 4 that his very essence, his very nature is love, and we now have that essence and that nature inside of us, then we are called to love. Uh, matter of fact, when we don't love somebody, it is because we make a conscious choice not to. Because you were made and created to love. And so if you're not loving, it's because you choose. You say, God, I am not going to love that person. We're called to love the Father, we're called to love the family. And if we're not loving the Father and not loving the family, then we're not in right place with God. And that's basically what he's trying to say here. For this is love that God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Now, that's a great truth, and we'll jump into some of that next week. Because really what he's telling us is that if you're not walking in obedience, if you're not walking in love, that's one of the reasons you're not finding victory in your life. And then he introduces what I wanted to get to. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Let me, let me read that again because we rushed by that. I want such a small little statement, but such incredible, powerful truth. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. For this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now I want you to grasp that for just a minute. John, all of a sudden, you know, it's easy, and we'll go look at some of the rest of this passage next week. It's easy to get caught into the theology, the teaching here. Remember, John is explaining what it means to be a Christian. He's talking to a church who has people in it that claim to be Christians that aren't walking the Christian life. And so he's explaining it. But in the middle here, he introduces this term that he already used over in chapter 4, verse 4. And it's the word overcome. And it is an incredible, powerful promise that you and I don't claim near enough. You see, we just sang about it. We just talked about it. But if if you used the word survive a minute ago, 
If you said that my Christian walk in the last week, in the last month, in the last year is all about just hanging on and getting through and making it and just just squeaking by or hiding out, then you have missed this incredible promise. I want you to listen to what he says again and grasp it. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. And he uses the active form there for overcome. You know what that means? That means everyone born of God has overcome, is overcoming, and will overcome. Put your name in there. Everyone born of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Rusty Gunther overcomes the world. Put your name in there. Think about that. You know the word there for overcome is an incredible word. It's Nikeo. It's where we get the word Nike. It's the same word that Phil Knight used when he decided to create shoes uh, that would be called overcomers. Uh, that's the word Nike, Nikeo, that we are Nikeo. We are overcomers. Now, the word overcomers, if you translate it, it is in great translation. It means to mightily prevail over, to master, to be victorious. To mightily prevail over, to master, to be victorious. So anyone born of God has masterly, mightily prevailed over the world. Now, what is the world? Well, John explains it back in chapter 2, verse 15, 16, 17. What is the world? It's all of the things of the world that we struggle with. Selfishness, greed, envy, hate, anger, fear, slander, temptation, gossip, sickness, disease, death. Now put it in that context. Rusty overcomes. Rusty mightily prevails over. Rusty is victorious over selfishness, greed, envy, hate, Anger, slander, fear, temptation, sickness, disease, death. Put your name there. That's not just a principle. That's a promise. You see, what John is saying is we have a choice in every situation, in every circumstance, to be either the victor or the vanquished. And we were created, we were saved, we were redeemed to be the victor. Now please hear me, he's not suggesting that we won't have problems. Or we won't have difficulties. Or we won't face trials. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. Because the word overcome implies by its very definition that you're going to face a mess. You see, you're going to face struggles and temptations and fear and death and disease but victory is not the absence of problems listen to me victory is how we go through the problems see victory is not about me facing death and and winning or disease and winning or fear and winning victory is is found in how i face those things that's what it means to overcome it's not about never going through a trial. It's about how you go through the trial. See, victory is not a life without problems, but a life that faces problems with a promise. For every problem you have, there's a promise. And victory is found by clinging to that promise until the problem is overcome. 
See, some of us this morning, we, we live defeated because we fail to claim the promise of God that we have already with us. Some of you are getting beat up. Some of you are getting knocked out, knocked down, overcome by the world. When in reality, what he is saying is that you have the power in you right now because Christ has overcome. See, the power is not about you. You can't overcome anything. We, man tried it. Adam and Eve tried to overcome the world. They got beat. Many of us in this room, you've tried to overcome fear and sorrow and heartache and, and greed and envy and, and lust and, and selfishness in your own power. And you got knocked down because you can't overcome in your own power. It's not based on you. What did John say? It's based on Jesus because he overcame. And you see, when I trust by faith that because Jesus overcame and he now gave me the power to overcome... I can have victory. See, Jesus beat Satan. Satan took him out in the desert and tempted him, and Jesus said no. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated the grave. And we just sang it a moment ago from Revelation 12, 11. How do we have victory? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. See, what John's reminding us is the victory is found in and through Christ Jesus. Any difficulty you face, any struggle you face this morning, any mountain, any disaster, any giant, you have a promise, a claim to overcome. I love what David said when he stood before Goliath. Little boy said, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Do you hear that? That temptation may come against you. That giant may stand in your way. That mountain may seem too high. That disease may discourage that, that struggle that you have. But let me tell you something. You don't come against it in the name of Rusty or the name of First Baptist Church or the name of some religion. You stand against it in the name and power of Jesus Christ who overcame death in the grave. And when you stand in that name, there is an overcoming victory for you. You just have to claim it. David says, This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. When's the last time you told your mountain that? When's the last time you told your struggle that? When's the last time you told that thing that beats you up every day? This is the day that God is going to give me victory over you. Tired of hunkering down. I'm tired of just trying to survive. I'm tired of just hoping that it will all go away. And maybe it will cycle. Let me tell you something. It's time for you and I as Christ followers to stand on the promise of God. And claim the victory that is already yours. We've got to embrace it. So I want to ask you this question. Think about that greatest difficulty you're struggling with right now. That mountain, that giant. Maybe it's family, maybe it's at work, maybe it's within yourself, maybe it's emotional. Let me ask you this, are you walking in victory? Why not? Why not? You, you have overcome. 
through Jesus Christ. Mightily defeated. If you've ever been out to West Texas, it's a lonely, desolate, should be its own part of the world. It's a... uh, uh, my cousin, who's a pastor, just moved uh, from central Texas, the hill country, which is beautiful area, somewhat like this area, and he moved out to north uh, west Texas, to Seminole, which is out in the, it's just nowhere. It's just, uh, it is just desolate because all of west Texas is just flat and it's dry and it's hot and it's just desolate. And after the Dust Bowl in the 20s and 30s, it was even worse. It it was, I I don't know how people survived out there. But north of Midland and Odessa, there were a small community of farmers and ranchers, and they tried to get by. There was a man in the mid-30s by the name of E.L. Yates that had a sheep farm, and, and he struggled. He had five kids, couldn't put enough food on the table. The bank came in and talked about declaring bankruptcy and taking his his farm from him, he thought that would be a good deal. He thought that would help him. But he's, he kept trying to hang on. Kept trying to make it. Struggled like many other people during the Depression. Till one day, an old broken down truck of surveyors for an oil company came to his house. Said, we're surveying and checking. Can we go and drill an oil well out in the back of your land just to see if there's any oil there? He looked out, it was dust, and it was scrub, and it, you know, tumbleweeds rolling across it. He said, that thing, you do whatever you want. So they signed a contract, and he said, I, of every eight barrels of oil, if you find any oil in there, I get one. And he thought that was a pretty good deal. As they dug down on Mr. Yates's property, when they got to right at 1,100 feet, they hit a gusher. And from that day until the next 50 years, that one well produced 80,000 barrels of oil a day. That's 8,000 barrels of oil a day for him. But then they got more. They kept bringing and dropping in more wells and more wells. Before he passed away, he had over 100 wells on his little patch of land. And they did surveys of some of them in the 80s, and there were some wells on his land that produced were producing to that day 125,000 barrels of oil a day. It was one of the richest veins ever found in North America. Here's what I want you to realize. For most of his life, Mr. Yates owned that land. When he purchased it, all that oil was there, just waiting to be claimed. And he went through day in and day out of struggle. Day in and day out of pain. Day in and day out of stress. Day in and day out of defeat. Till one day he was able to claim the promise and the provisions that had been his all along. I'm tired of seeing the church beat up, limping, just hoping to survive. It's time we claim by faith what Jesus bought for us. You are an overcomer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We ask this morning that you would give us the ability to look at that giant, to look at that mountain, to look at that trial that we're facing. 
and claim victory. Father, to stand by the blood of Jesus Christ and declare that we will not just be survivors, but that we will overcome. Father, there are some here that have been hunkered down for a long time. Some that have given up. Some that have waved the white flag and they just hope that maybe some way it will go away. They ignore it, pretend it's not there. But God, living for you is not a trend. It's not just something we put on. It's who we are. And then when it becomes who we are, it is who you are in us. And you are an overcomer. And you call us to that victory. Survive or thrive. God, let us thrive. By the blood of the Lamb. The word of your testimony. We stand. We claim that promise. Victory. 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 In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?